0: Living the dream.
1: <laughs> yeah. Are you, Uh. do you live alone? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm totally okay with at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think of like one person that I would want to be quarantined with 24-7, and I can't think of anyone. It's hard. I mean,
0: it's fine. My thing is, is like, I'm an introvert-extrovert, so once i reach my capacity of people like i need to be left alone and so you know i mean if there's another room to go in and the person knows like i'm i'm going in that other room cuz i don't want to be around people and they leave me alone um but if somebody doesn't understand that it gets you know annoying or they take it personally you know like that's why you know it's them and i'm like no i just i'm done
1: yeah. All I have is a bedroom, really, because I have two roommates um, who we don't really hang out together, the three of us, and the rest of the house is small, and so I just stay in my room, uh, which normally is, like, normally I'm only here to sleep and, you know, hang out occasionally by myself on a Friday night or something, when I don't feel like going out, but... I'm usually at a mic, or a show, or, um, yeah.
0: That, I get it. I mean, honestly, like, I didn't have a great childhood, so I spent all my time in my room by myself, um, so this is pretty high.
1: I did that, too. I mean, I had a, my parents were cool and everything, but, yeah, dude, I spent a lot of time alone as a child, um, Because I was just like, people were mean to me and I was, yeah, I just, I just, people were mean. I didn't like them. So I just spent a lot of time, maybe not in my room, but like outside alone and just a lot of time alone, which has made me not want to be alone now. Oh, see, I'm fine. (laughs) I didn't didn't want to be alone.
0: I'm scaring myself at as far as how okay I am. And now I'm starting to think like, God, am I gonna be able to people it when I have to, you know, and go back out and, and deal with it, you know? So, I mean, I like people, but also, I mean, right now, um, I'm still working, which will uh, likely change this week. But, uh, you know, so I work all day. So I am dealing with people all day. Yeah, hard.
1: I'm not doing shit. Um... Until I started these interviews, I wasn't, I wasn't regularly having a vocal communication with anyone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> which... Were you doing a delivery stuff or what? I thought I saw you first. I was like, doing DoorDash and I have not in a month or so since before comedy got shut down. I could, I'm probably going to have to. Do they still need people?
0: Cause I have to imagine, like, so many people now are looking for kind of alternative ways to make money.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm sure they're always taking on new drivers. If you want to do it, I'll send you a link. I
0: may <laughs> very well need to. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was just kind of like, I want. I, I just wanted to like feel like things were a little more under control here before I started doing it. If it's gonna re- also, I don't. I don't like wearing a mask. It makes me panic. Oh, yeah. Anything over my nose um, because of shit that happened to me. So I I, I really, really, really hate wearing a mask Um, and it will make me have a panic attack. So, you know, I'm not going to... And do I really want to do... If it requires gloves and a mask, I feel like I shouldn't do it unless I... The
0: hard thing is, you know, anything right now that you know, service industry, I guess I'll call it that. I mean, you're still interacting with people, so you are yeah. Put yourself in, at some certain risk, you know, and I mean, some grocery stores, thankfully now, are at least giving some sort of hazard pay or whatever, because you are, I mean, it's just, you know, so.
1: Yeah, and I don't I, know if I can handle not being tipped. Uh, someone doesn't tip me right now, I might do something to a house and get arrested, so... You're like, I know where you live. How are you going to not tip me? Um, yeah, I can't. I don't think I could handle stiff. If You went out to dinner
0: one night and somebody just showed up at your house that was your waiter or waitress. He's yeah. like, look, bitch, you didn't tip me. <laughs> we well, know where you
1: are now. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I've, uh, I've looked people up on social media based on their credit card. The night Have you when I will I always which
0: I always tip. I can't think of a time I didn't even uh, when it's shitty
1: I don't. I, I I still tip. Like, yeah, I'll tip something. If I tip you fifteen percent, that that's like me stiffing you. Um or ten. 10 if I tip you ten percent, that's like me stiffing you. But I've never just like straight up not left nothing. Um
0: I've actually over tipped shitty waiters. To make them feel bad for being shitty.
1: Yeah, it depends on, like, I waited tables for, like, a decade, so I, I, I when I wait, I'm obnoxious uh, as far as, like, I'll pay attention to them and I'll see what they're doing. I can see if they're, if they're being unattentive because they're busy or if they're being unattentive because they're over there fucking around with their friends or looking at their family.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I would, I mean, the other thing is, is like, I would rather say something to them probably after I get my food. Um, But, you know, I, and I try not to be mean about it, but I'm like, look, if the issue is not great service, I might as well say something and get better service. Then it's, it just seems very passive aggressive to me. It's so after the fact and it I, I I've never talked to a service person where they went, Oh, this person didn't tip me. And you know what? They were right. Like I wasn't good or whatever. It's because there is usually something going on. Like I remember specifically, um, I used to run a brunch mic uh, back when I was in New York. And you know, the the it was a restaurant comedy place and then they opened up Sunday for us so we could be downstairs and they put like one server on and I think it was like gay pride and you could tell this one server didn't want to be at work wanted to be at the pride parade I get that was not really particularly terrific and at the time my I think I had a co-host and he was livid and he's like I'm going to say something and did it. and I just I kind of knew and I was like you know what we're coming back here next week And we're probably going to see this person again. And I over tipped him. And when he saw what I tipped him, he like ran over and he was like, thank you so much. I'm sorry. I know I wasn't the best. I really don't want to, you know, everything I suspected, he said, dude, every mic after that, I would show up. I'd have a mimosa in my hand within like 20 seconds and sometimes in a pint glass. Uh, got real fucked up. But anyhow, you know, it's, I, I never understood that. And it's hard because my parents are European and in Europe you really don't tip because people will get paid like a proper living wage. Yeah. And I used to argue with my dad all the time. I was like, dad, you got a tip. And he's like, well, it's not my job to pay them. And I'm like, well, you can sit there and have some theoretical conversation with me, but fucking tip them. And I would always kind of slide like a five or something onto the table so he wouldn't
1: see my grandma tips a dollar a person period um which (laughs) where did she come up with that (laughs) i don't know um it probably used to be a lot of money um so i always like hang back and throw more money on the table if she's paying which rarely happens um so but um yeah so let's get into this um at this point, it's just a podcast, Art of Comedy, because few people have proper cameras to get decent video. Um, actually, only one so far, Ashley and G. She had a really she looked great, so which I really like huh? Who did? Ashley and G. I don't know, she's real new. She went through Christy Bupey's class. Oh. So her video and her testimonial of the class and stuff is actually very beneficial for like the website and stuff. But, um, yeah, so it's just going to be audio at the, at this point. And, uh, yeah. So art of comedy, I don't know. Um, let's see. First, let's start with you. Your like, just your background. Cause I don't know, I don't know anything about you really like how long have you been doing comedy?
0: So I started in 2009. Um, (laughs) My dad died and it was the financial crisis and I was living in New York and I don't know, I just kind of was like, this might not be forever because my mom was still here in Denver. I'm from from Denver, originally grew up here, went to school in Boulder. And I just wanted to kind of do something that was very New York to me, you know, Because I was like, well, I don't want to regret not doing something that I wouldn't be able to do elsewhere. Um, So I took a class. And it's funny. I took a one-day workshop. I mean, it wasn't even like a full-fledged comedy course. I just took a one-day workshop. But I really liked it. And the instructor said, oh, well, we offer like, I think it was a 10-week course, which culminates with you having to perform. And I thought, well, that sounds terrifying. So I signed up. Um, but I like. I really like my classmates, I really like the process and then I started um, going to open mics to prepare for our graduation show. Uh, I just, I don't know, like I guess in my head I thought it was like a very dog-eat-dog type of world. Like, you know, I always thought like acting where, you know, it's one role and 250 people reading for it. Um, you know and it's not to say that there isn't bullshit in politics and comedy but like for the most part it you know it people were welcoming and we were all trying we were all failing we were all happy for the little successes um whether it was your own or somebody else's so i just kind of fell in love with the community and the craft um And it actually took me several years to really see myself as a comic. I remember (laughs) there is this one female comic who kind of took me under her wing in the beginning. And now she's like blown up and she's awesome and famous and all that jazz. But um, I remember like, going, you know, she'd be like, oh, a bunch of us are going to eat after whatever. And she would introduce me and she'd be like, oh, hey, this is Mo. She's a comic. Um, And I would always like be like, oh, kind of not really i'm like a baby comic and she just one time pulled me aside she's like stop doing that she's like do you get on stage do you tell jokes do you write jokes she's like we're all in this shit together like you're a comic maybe you started at a different time but you're a comic so and then you know as time passed um In New York, they do bringer shows, which I know they don't do in Colorado, but in New York, to get on stage, you have to bring a certain amount of people yada, yada. And my friends were incredibly gracious uh, coming out, not only because I wasn't that great, but a lot of these shows, it was like 20 new comics. It was was an expensive open mic, but anyhow. um, But after a while, like I, you know, I started doing shows where it wasn't just my friends there, and I was getting laughs. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is weird. Um, and I just embraced it, and I was like, I think I'm a comic. And also, I was actually, uh, I was talking to a fellow comic this week, and I was saying, you know, once you do comedy and you really immerse yourself in it, you, there's no going back. Like even if I never get on a stage again, the way my brain works, the way I think about things, the way I articulate it, it, you know, this is a terrible analogy, but it's its like an alcoholic, you know, you're, you're always an alcoholic. You're just either recovering or what, you know, whatever it is. And, but it's like that. It's just, your brain is different. Like And it's something that I don't think ever really goes away, even if you never get on stage again.
1: Definitely, definitely. And that's, you know, that's kind of what the goal with Art of Comedy is, is to um, provide scholarships to starting with females, um, and then there'll be other demographics later, to give them scholarships to go to classes like Christy Buchley's class at Voodoo, um, and just recruit more teachers Uh, in other areas where there aren't any, which there aren't a lot, especially female teachers. Um, So that gives them an income too. So it helps twofold. But yeah, it's like, even if they're, I'm not like trying to make comedians. um, That'd be great if some comedians come out of it. I'm trying to just help people heal um, from trauma and abuse and um, just give them back their spark, or give them a spark, maybe they never had. You know, you know,
0: like, you're, when you're a victim, I think, or when you're victimized by by a certain one situation or whatever, you feel like you don't have a voice. Mm-hmm. And I think comedy gives you a voice.
1: Yeah, if they could just hold their heads up and look people in the eye for a job interview, you know, that's oh. yeah, it's huge. Because um, I know, like, like I got into comedy at like probably one of the lowest points of my life and a very dark time. Um, so yeah, and I've noticed so many people that's when they get into comedy. Um, and even if like, I've never like, I don't really even make jokes about my trauma. It's not about like necessarily making material out of it. I, I, I like to, I want to. Um, but even if you never, ever talk about anything like that on stage just the the confidence and then the community too of of these of the people that you meet when you go when you go into comedy um as with any community there's assholes but you know uh but yeah just the community especially like here in denver i mean i've been i've visited a lot of scenes and i love them too but there's just something special about the Denver scene especially the women there's so many of them and they're all so talented and supportive of each other in a way that I I haven't seen in other scenes where
0: have you what other scenes have you seen or been a part of started in Wichita Wichita.
1: yeah there really aren't female comics there um for the most part there was one other one um that was really trying to be a comic. And then a couple others that were, there were comics, but they weren't, you know, like they had, that wasn't their main aspiration in life. And then, um, yeah. And then like Omaha, I was in Omaha. Um, and I do have some, some good, you know, one, I, I started, like one of my best friends is there now, Brooke. Um, and there are a lot of females there, but it still felt, A little clicky. Um, Like, uh, you know, there was a group of women that didn't like other women, and it was pretty well known. You know what I mean? And it just, just high school, mean girl bullshit, you know? Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't (laughs) want to get to Denver? uh, June. But I, I started comedy four years ago, and um, I came here maybe two months in to start doing mics and stuff. I lived here before comedy for a couple years and I've always loved Denver. And so I kind of been in a long distance relationship with Denver comedy for four years. I've come out here a lot. I, me and my, my little brother's also a comedian. He started like six months before me. So we brought Denver comics out there like, cause they passed through Wichita. Oh yeah. Or close to Wichita a lot. So if they were passing through, we would put a show together for them because um, we didn't have a lot of regular shows to book people on. But I put shows together for uh, several times for Allison and Zeke um, because Allison, yeah. you know, she lives or her family's out there. So anytime she'd come visit her family, you know, I'd put a show together. Um, and I, I thought. too. So.
0: Were they excited? You know, were they excited like, oh, good, there's going to be a comedy show. Like, it's a big to do
1: the people like the audience yeah the oh, audience. oh yeah yeah especially when it was like Allison and Zeke because they had people you know that oh, yeah. wanted to come see them it was their really only opportunity to come see them in person it was we did a show the last show we did uh, Allison's parents were there and it's the first time Zeke did comedy in front of Allison's parents and
0: oh boy <laughs> and,
1: um, they were they were very good sports <laughs>
0: I think any, any parent of a comic needs to be.
1: (laughs) My mother is, my mother only comes to, um, shows that are like anytime we do any real show at the comedy club in Wichita, uh, she will, she will come to those. There's a contest. She'll come to that. Um, anytime we do like a benefit show where we're trying to raise money for something, she'll come to that. But otherwise she does not come watch us do comedy. Um, frequently yeah I,
0: I didn't even tell my mom when I started I had to like come out of the comedy closet to her when I moved back to Denver because I was like somebody's gonna say something so I might as well yeah. uh manage the message but she doesn't get it and she's foreign so yeah you know there's always kind of that language barrier um so she
1: just wants us to be happy and if being a comedian makes me happy then she's happy yeah, that's Not what my mom wants.
0: (laughs) She wants. She wants me to make her happy and give her bragging rights.
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh, I'm glad that's not what my mom wants, because she'd be real disappointed in life. Oh,
0: disappointed. I used to be married to a
1: doctor. (laughs) Well, I gave her four grandchildren. Uh. You know, I think I did my part.
0: That's the one thing my mom never like. She didn't care. she's never ever bugged me about having kids
1: my mom probably would have preferred I didn't actually because because it it required her to help me a lot like yeah like she can but my mom likes to be helper she she enjoys it to a certain extent um especially like giving things like food and clothes and like I didn't buy clothes for my kids she worked at Target so I didn't buy clothes for my kids (laughs) she would have just tubs of stuff that went clearance from last season waiting for winter you know what I mean so I just never had to buy my kids clothes that's amazing that's a good uh hookup (laughs) yeah it was it's definitely a good hookup and then now she like she's retired but she has like a shopping addiction so she buys lots of groceries and so you just like I I if I wanted to, if we were in town and wasn't quarantined, I wouldn't go over there now. She would probably pack some sacks and leave them outside her door for me. She knows what I like to eat. Uh, And she keeps it on hand. Uh,
0: (laughs) I think that's like every every mother is like, here's food. Food is how we love you. (laughs) Eat. You're sad?
1: Eat. You're happy? (laughs) Let's celebrate. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she always says she should have been like, like she feels like she should have been Greek or something.
0: <laughs> the Italians do it too. The Italians and right. Greeks. Well, my family's really. I would literally be chewing food, and his grandmother
1: would be like, You're not
0: eating. Why aren't <laughs> you eating? Eat. I- my mouth is literally full of food right now.
1: We were also allowed people <laughs> when we get together. I really, my family did help prepare us for comedy because. Whoever talked the loudest got to tell their story. Um, so yep. I will I have no problem interjecting in the middle of a bunch of men, you know, uh <laughs> to get my point across. Or yeah, and we roast each other. It's a way we show love. Um yeah, and so like it's it's which is hard for some people to handle, especially like men I've dated. They don't like being roasted. Um they're like, you were so nice in the beginning, why are you why are you being mean now? I'm like, I'm not mean, I'm roasting you. It means I like you. I didn't like you that much at first. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even bother to think about you, much yeah. less you. Yeah. Like so I'm paying attention because I'm roasting things I know bother you, you know? Yeah.
0: But I don't it know. it's funny, like <sighs> dating as a female comic because I definitely dated guys who in the beginning thought it was awesome. Like it was just the coolest thing. Um but then, you know, they realize I have an opinion off stage too. And they realize, like, if they, if they came and saw my act, that would really not sit well with them. There's just, there was too much ego for them behind it. Yeah. But I tell Tommy once, they were like, you know, you have to realize um, it's a really powerful position to be in to be up on stage by yourself commanding an entire room.
1: See, I don't even (laughs) see it. Like, yeah, they, they, they put so much more weight in it than I do. I, well, I, you know what? I agree because I
0: certainly never thought of it that way. And Lord knows like half the time, especially in the beginning, I was like nauseous. I'm shitting my pants. A joke doesn't go the way I wanted. All this stuff is going on in our heads. And, um, you know, especially in the beginning, I think you have a tendency to give power to the audience instead of keeping it for yourself. Yeah. So I totally agree. Like, I, I never understood that. Um, but, yeah, it's not easy.
1: <laughs> it's not because men, it works the opposite way. Women are like, yes, I want that guy. It's not yeah. like that.
0: Allie Wong, the last time she was out here, she was at Comedy Works and you know, she she had her special already out so like she kind of had to throw all that stuff away and she just fucking killed killed for the whole time, almost exclusively talking about the double standard of Men and women in comedy and not just, you know, not the oh, we don't get paid the same that shit, but like exactly what you're talking about, about how like she was like, you know, these loser guys who could never get a tail, all of a sudden tell jokes, and the hottest women are like, Oh my god, I wanna take care of you forever. Um, but she's the breadwinner <laughs> in her family despite the fact that I think her husband is like a Harvard MBA or something like that. And so she talks about that too, but she fucking just ripped nonstop. Like, and, and I thought, Oh man. I saw an interview
1: of her on uh, the daily show, I think, where she was talking about it and talking about, you know, um, going on the road and stuff as a female comic and safety issues. And that's what really that's how it started all this stuff with art of comedy was the festival. I just started the art of female comedy festival. Cause I wanted to bring female comedians together from all over so they could network and, and, right. um, you know, have resources to be able cause I have always toured by myself with no problems, but I know that I'm, I'm, you know, it's a unique thing. I'm not
0: oh, nice to not have to, or to know who the other females are. Cause that's the yeah. thing when you get booked, it's very rare that they'll book more than one female comic. Oh, yeah,
1: You know, so... so what do you do, share a condo with a couple dudes you don't know? You know? Well, know,
0: thing, like, you feel even though we know there are a lot of female comics out there now, or a lot more, you still feel very isolated and very alone. Um, and it's just, you know, so this is an interesting... I went to this panel discussion, and it was business-related. It wasn't comedy-related. But... Regardless, it's the same shit, just different industry. But in financial services, especially when you start to get to those higher levels, mm-hmm. um, this female executive was talking about how there are all these things that help the men bond, right? And yet, with the female executive, there aren't those things. So there aren't those networking events. There aren't those type of things. And then on top of that there are always like comments made that kind of pit one female against the other, because there's this mentality of like Highlander, like there can only be one woman in the C-suite and it's, and it makes us behave badly because we don't even realize the psychology behind it. I mean, it's not that we're bad people. It's just this ridiculous notion that's been conditioned into us for, you know, centuries and, um, you know, there's this side eye of like, what are you even doing here? I mean, I have had times where I've been on a show or even if I wasn't on a show, I was, I was hanging out just because I was a comic and I was always, somebody who was like, oh, whose girlfriend are you? I'm like, I'm not anybody's girlfriend, you know? Yeah. I was like, this is a club I'm at. That's whose girl, you know? It's just the fact that like, even in this day and age, a male comic wouldn't consider that maybe I'm also a comic, that his first thought is that I'm just somebody's girlfriend that's in a green room or, or hanging out.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and that's why, like, yeah, uh, I think that the more female comics we can get, um, I'm like, I am obnoxiously supportive of female comics when I see one at the mic. I don't even have to see them go up because in my experience, not every single woman is funny, obviously, but the majority of the females I see that are at a mic and trying are funny. I don't see- I think that's
0: what it is, is we try.
1: Yeah, dudes, there's so many men. And if you just look at percentages of females that are trying to be comics that are funny- Versus men, it's, the percentage of females is way higher. Way higher.
0: I've, Yeah, my experience at Mike's, I mean, there's always, like, that one chick who's hot and thinks, like, oh, I'm just gonna get on stage, and I'm good looking, and I'll just talk about my pussy, and then everybody You're will true. laugh. And she's, totally not, totally- she's not totally wrong, because it does fucking happen. I mean, it's not a lot of-
1: funnier than... Well,
0: but I'm saying like more often than not, the female yeah. comics are, they have their joke book. It isn't, I mean, look again, it's conditioning. It's, it's, first of all, it's the fact that guys do grow up and the way they bond with each other is by roasting each other, giving each other shit. So they've got that already, right? You don't do that as a young lady. That's not nice. And it's mean and da da that. And I get that like in your family. You yeah, do that, yeah, but yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah overall yeah overall
0: acceptable behavior for a woman and you're mean or you're nasty or you're a bitch or all these other names meanwhile that guy is fucking hilarious yeah um, <laughs> is there's this conditioning like you said where men just are taught that your voice matters and Everybody everybody wants to hear what you have to say and they really need to hear your opinion it's important <laughs> I mean yeah. you can tell like you can you, you can just tell these younger male comics when they get on stage and you're just like oh baby doll
1: <laughs> somebody
0: lied to you <laughs> nobody yeah. gives a shit what you have to say
1: <laughs> Yeah yeah usually the worst ones are also like that off stage Yeah um. oh yeah
0: 100%.
1: I like the male comics that are like real quiet and introverted off stage and kind of keep to themselves and then they get up there and they just fucking slay. Those are my favorite. I mean
0: there's several in the Denver comedy scene where you're just like god damn those are good jokes.
1: Like I like you know, Jonathan but the- Mitchell's like that. Like off stage he's very quiet. Um, but then he well, gets up there.
0: I mean she's fucking kills it. Oh, I love her. But she's very low key off stage. Yeah, you know, she's amazing. Um, I would, I mean, yeah, I could definitely name comics where. And I, it's funny because I don't think audiences understand their their own ways. They hear like, oh, there's a comic who's introverted, or I think um, like Mark Norman. He'll talk about that on stage about how he's just not a people person. He's introverted you know, whatever. And, and people just, audience members don't get that. How could you possibly stand up on stage and do what you do if you don't like people? And I don't think that they understand, like,
1: because it's a very solo kind of job. Mm -hmm. I don't like people as a whole, you know, the masses, uh, human race as a whole, I I could do without, but, um, but yeah. I mean, we're right now so you know (laughs) yeah but you know uh one thing i love is watching a comic go up and then come off like their face change when they come off stage they're like thank you and good night yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then they immediately
0: are like the ghost smoke or something like immediately
1: beeline to be alone just getting out of there
0: and they and 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 you know, God forbid you catch them right as they come off, you know, like that was a great set or whatever. Like they don't even they like you
1: said, they can't lick you in the eye. They can't yeah. Like and I they, need nicotine or I need weed or I need to get outside or you know, they need yeah, yeah. they need to go somewhere. They just shot their load and they're in yeah. <laughs> they're, they're in the glow and they don't want to be bothered. Um but yeah, I uh yeah, I totally that's how I am before and after. Uh, I,
0: well, okay. it's funny anyway, like there's a pub across the street from my place that I go to. And um, when I've had like a night of shows or what, I don't know, just, you know, I've done my job. <laughs> I sometimes don't want to come straight home and I'll go over there and, you know, I'll pick a seat that's on my, like by myself or whatever. And usually like I get left alone, you know, the bartenders know me, whatever, But then every once in a while, there's, like, the new guy in the place who's just like, oh, oh, she must be sitting at the bar, you know? And I'm like, I'm not here for you, bitch. Yeah. You know? I just, I have to come down. The adrenaline has to come down. I need to switch gears.
1: I don't want to be by
0: myself (laughs) at home alone in my thoughts. Yeah. But it's it's so funny. Have you done a lot of, like, touring? I haven't. Um, I
1: would like to do more. Um, it can be very lonely if you tour by yourself because like you're at, you do the show and then afterwards, um, the people you'll sit there and they'll come up and talk to you for a second, tell you how great it was. And then they're gone. And then you're just like, you're just like sitting there by yourself, drinking a beer and like, you can see people looking at you and they want to come talk to you, but they feel like they can't or something. And I'm like, this is just a bar in Nebraska. Okay. You could talk to me. Um, but yeah, so it's, 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 it's actually, it's very lonely to, to tour by yourself and do comedy. Yeah. I,
0: ha- I definitely haven't toured by myself. I've been really fortunate to be able to go with people and people who I I look up to and and know that, you know, we have a good road rapport, if you will. Um, But I mean, honestly, even then, going back to your point about how it's just such a different ball game for a female, I had one, (laughs) I had one guy hit me up um, to do a show with him. And it was literally like, an 18 hour drive there and 18 hour drive back. So we were just staying the night, but you know, I'm a big fan of like grab every experience because it it matters. And you know, he's somebody who I trusted, even though like I hadn't spent a lot of time with him. I hadn't toured with him before, but I was like, you know what? He's solid. I'm not worried about it. We had separate rooms. So I didn't have to share a room. Um, but I was laughing because he told me in the car He's like, have you ever played one of these really small towns? And I was like, no, I I mean, smaller, but not this small, probably. He's like, all right, well, here's the deal. People are going to want to buy you shots. So make a deal with the bartender to, like, give you apple juice or, you know, water or whatever. So I thought he meant, well, I thought he meant, like, after the show, people are going to want to buy you shots. And I was like, okay, yeah, like, good Good call. Well, that's not what he meant. He meant like they will interrupt your sets and force you to take a shot or more. And that happened to me. So basically, there was no host. I went up, kind of brought, you know, brought the show or started the show rather, did my shit, and kind of in the middle of my feature set, this guy, lo and behold, do a shot, do a shot. And and I tried to like put it to the side and he's like, No, we're not gonna let you, you know, continue until you do the shot. I can't do shots. Shots fuck me up. It is game over. What? But I Yeah, thankfully it was just one. I did one shot and it was funny because afterwards he was like, Yeah, you uh definitely changed your pace and energy after that. <laughs> Which I was like, God, I hope I didn't
1: fuck up. But, I wouldn't trust some dude just bringing me a shot, and I would make a joke about I'm not going to drink it because it could be drugged.
0: I, I I'm not going to. My car was right there, like I saw. You know, I oh, saw him, but was
1: still joking.
0: The whole, but the whole room was behind him. I mean, this was not like the whole fucking room yeah. was like, no, you have to do it there. It was it was my first time with that, but yeah. whatever. So here's the thing, though. So he had merch, I did not. There, you know, sometimes I'll talk about being a cougar. People never listen. Like, when I talk about being a cougar, I talk about it as like it's a label society puts on me. Like, I'm not super excited about it. I don't really like dating young guys. Anyhow, so there was this dude in the audience. I remember his name, Cody. He was so drunk that he fell off a fucking chair. Like, he was just sitting there and just fell off a chair. That's how drunk he was. Well, lo and behold, after the show, they were egging him on. They are like, go dance with her, whatever. And he got kind of aggressive. And so I was like, all right. We were kind of dancing, I guess. And then he tried to kiss me. And he smelled like vomit, by the way. And I I was like, no, you know, stop. Like, this isn't happening. So I go and hide in the corner with the merch. And I tell this headlining comic, who's like a big dude, I'm like, I'm just gonna sit here because this is getting not great, you know? And he's like, okay, well, thanks for watching my merch. I'm gonna, you know, network with these people, blah, blah, blah. Well, Cody finds me. And I'm like against a wall and there's no way out because I'm like between two tables against the wall. And like comes in and he's like, why won't you kiss me? And he starts like grabbing my face. Now, I had told the headlining comic, earlier when I told him I was going to sit by the merch table, I said, listen, you need to look out for me. And I said, I don't mean that as you need to protect me because I can't protect myself. I mean it as if you don't step in, I'm going to fuck somebody up and I don't want you to lose your room. I want to respect your room. I want to respect the relationship you have with... But I'm going to fucking throat punch this goddamn motherfucker if he doesn't leave me alone. He's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. Sure enough, Cody's grabbing my face. You know, kiss me, kiss me. All of a sudden, I just see the shadow (laughs) of the headliner. He's like, you need to step away from here immediately. And the guy's like, "Ah, you know? I mean, that's not even a bad, in air quotes, situation. Cause you know, it can get far worse than that. And that made me think like, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm probably not gonna do these towns anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then imagine if it's just you and a female headliner, you know? It's like, you don't, you know, it's-
0: uh, I, been, I definitely would have done something. It's not that I wouldn't have protected myself, yeah, but then it comes, you know, why are you causing problems?
1: Yeah, I think that, um, I've, I've had issues with saying material about how no one hits on me and I, and I have jokes about not, um, I have these jokes about how like female comedians are always talking about how male comedians are always trying to have sex with them and that's, no one's trying to fuck me is the joke. Um, but then I follow it up with some like, but how I'm fine with that because male comedians are gross or something. I can't remember the joke. I haven't really done it in a long time. Um, and the last time I did it, I was at, I was at a mic um, in, I think it was Sioux Falls. And I did, they kind of let me do like 10 minutes cause I was traveling through and, you know, and so I just, I, I just got kind of high and just kind of riffed some stuff, you know? So I didn't say the second part of it, And then um, my friend pulled me out to talk to me about booking me on a show. And I guess the guy after me just went up there and did this whole set about how he was going to have sex with me. Um, And I didn't hear any of that. And then um, someone told me when I came back in and I was like, which guy? And of course, it wasn't anybody that I would be interested in having sex with. And uh, then at the end of it, I couldn't find my car because the brewery is on these weird streets and I'm not familiar with the area and I wasn't high when I went in there and I was high when I left. And um, so I had to go back in to use the bathroom and it was just him, it was just that comic, the bartender and me. And I asked the bartender, cause I was trying to get away from that guy. I thought I got out fast enough cause I could see him looking around for me. like, Ugh. And so I was like, I ducked out but then I couldn't find my car. I was like, son of a bitch. And so I go back and he's still there. And so then I asked the bartender, I was like, is this guy gonna rape me basically like, and he's like, no, actually I'm not gonna vouch for him. I don't know him that well, <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. So I tried to get out of there again and he just followed me and we were trying to find my car. Um, and he kept suggesting going to his car. I was like, what are you gonna drive around and help me find my car? No, it's here. I walked here, We can. I can find it on foot. So he's just with me while i'm looking for my car he keeps trying to just suggest we have sex and i just blatantly no if ands or buts i'm like i am not having sex with you um the whole time and then uh we find my car and he says uh so are we fucking in your car or mine and i said i'm 40 years old i don't fucking cars Yeah, he said, I'm just saying, I'd show you my dick if you wanted to see it. And I was just like. Dude, do you want to see your dick? As appealing (laughs) as that sounds, buddy, uh, I'm going to pass. And then I went to another bar where the comics had gone and he showed up there and my friend and his girlfriend distracted this guy so I could leave um, and not because I was at that point was a little. I didn't think he was going to actually attack me or anything, but I just didn't want to deal with him anymore. And I felt like he was going to follow me to my car.
0: But that, I mean, that's the thing, like... But I have friends in that town. If somebody literally says no, fucking drop it.
1: Yeah. But like, me.
0: stop trying to throw shit against the wall, hoping it sticks, you know? I just, it's its really, yeah. i uh, I, I think I've been pretty lucky that... I have a lot of guy friends in common. Um, I, nobody's, you know, like, it, it hasn't been that terrible. Like, there's yeah. always, like, there's always that asshole. There's always that outlier. Probably when I was younger and just starting out, it was, you know, I was fresh meat.
1: But now,
0: yeah. it's, like, people just, you know.
1: I'm not somebody they, that a lot of men hit on in general. I'm just, I I mean, I'm not talking shit on myself. I'm, I don't think I'm ugly, but I know that I'm not traditionally good looking. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of masculine. A lot of times I think I'm a lesbian, you know, so I'm not somebody that men hit on frequently anyway. So it really hasn't been that huge of an issue for me. And I grew up with men. I grew up hanging out with more men than women. My best friend was my cousin. Um, so, um, I also, I'm gender fluid, so I do, like, feel like partially, like, I'd say like 30% a dude. Um, so I spent a lot of time hanging out with men in high school, um, being one of the guys and listening to their locker room talk and engaging in their locker room talk about women. Um, and so you know i I don't have a lot of those a lot of those issues that I know that I can't even imagine is that I think there's
0: a part of it you know it's it's like they I think they pick up on women who are just not good targets. You know what I mean yeah I, I think that's what it is more um, is just the smarter ones you know they might hit on somebody else but but they they kind of understand like i don't you know i'm probably not gonna fuck with her because she strikes me as somebody who would see right through the bullshit um and yeah you know.
1: predators pick their prey oh for um, sure you know and it's not women's fault that they're prey and they just want to what be nice people you
0: know but not even- Predator, but not even a predator necessarily, but just, you know, a guy in general who, you know, might be like, oh, she's cute, but I don't really know how to, well, I, I think that's the sad thing is like that they somehow don't know how to relate to the opposite sex without it being focused on sex, you know, it's, yeah. it's not get to know you type of thing or whatever usually I mean these are broad strokes
1: but yeah. yeah I mean it's like that whether it's you're talking about a female comic or just a female trying to date like yeah guys want to have like guys have asked you know younger guys ask advice on picking up women or whatever and I'm like just talk to them treat them like a person they like that yeah like have a conversation with them what maybe instead of an agenda yeah, just, you know, and then walk away. Just have a conversation with them and then walk away. They'll find you if they're interested. Well, that's, that's the other thing is
0: like, you know, nowadays, and, you know, I still want the guy to be the guy, so to speak. But nowadays it's like, if I like you, I'm not going to play coy to the point where, like, you have to aggressively pursue me.
1: Yeah, you're gonna know it.
0: Yeah, if you're if you're hitting on me constantly and you're not getting anything back, there's a reason for that. And it's not even like I don't like you as a person. It's just I'm not interested in that type of a relationship. And
1: after a while, it does get irritating. It's like, dude, oh, give it a your, fuck your rest. Like I saw your like hi messages. Hi, 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 hi. hi, hi out there all like what? What? How long? Like how many days was that worth of? I don't. It's not a lot. It, it okay. really is.
0: Like it's not. And but see, I don't know. And look, I recognize. Like I'm older, so I'm not. You know, <coughs> the the hot commodity that That's I a
1: lot uh, more than I get. I mean, I get. But, that, but.
0: Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't get them as much, and that's changed. So I have to assume part of it is my age. But but I think also just, you know, my point with that, though, really was it's changed because it used to be a lot more, here's what I want to do to you, or here's my dick. And now, at least, they're just dipping a toe in. uh,
1: Yeah, at least it was, hey, sexy, hi, beautiful. Now it's just, hi. That is true. They're just like, hi.
0: wonder what they are because I checked out like a few of them like their profiles out of curiosity I'm like who are these fucking people um, and it's like a dude with one picture so I don't know if it's like a bot or maybe it's yeah. like fuck, ISIS trying to recruit I'd say me they're
1: like half bots for sure but um, they're half real people um, and uh, it must work they keep doing it um, I know a lesbian couple that met that way because one just they they became friends on Facebook and one but they were friends on Facebook at least, and she said hi to her now wife. but
0: um I'm glad to know there's at least one good story out there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh has it have you seen like an increase of that behavior since the quarantine?
0: I haven't I That's haven't. I have not thankfully.
1: Oh man, I have. And even like, I got bored, you know, I quit online dating in like January. I deleted everything, but I got bored. And I was just curious if it's any different now, but my naive brain thought maybe there actually would be people on hopeful, there. hopeful brain, hopeful brain, Thought maybe there'd actually be men on there that wanted to talk since we can't meet. Um, but no, they either want to go ahead and meet, or they want to sext. And I'm like, well, I'm not oh. into any of that. So I've even
0: asked guys. I'm like, why do you want naked pictures and sexting from me? And I, I was genuinely curious about this. I was like, there's so much porn out there. I mean, why not just get on Pornhub? And rub one out to something that you you know you're like really into, right? Um, but it was interesting. <laughs> this particular person said it was because they really there was something better and special about knowing it's a real person. And I was like, so why can't you take it a step further and actually treat us like real people? <laughs> yeah. Instead of an ass and and whatever and. You know, I'm not opposed to any of that if both people are willing participants and, and they want to, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I don't engage in that stuff. No, but
1: I do engage in sexting, but it's, uh, it's not with somebody I've never met in person or that, you know, like.
0: Yeah, no, I do. I mean, I won't on, on Facebook, I will not accept friend requests. For the most part, there's definitely not a lot, but I won't accept friend requests of people I've not met at least once in person, I've because
1: had...
0: that that's where a lot of the trolling comes in because you're not real to them.
1: No, yeah, I have a I have a long term sex buddy um, who lives in Chicago. is a comic that I met when he came through Wichita, but we did not when we first started chatting, it was just as comics, uh, we would share memes. Um, it was not with that intention, at least that I could right. tell. And it just kind of developed into that. And then, so, and now we, we got like our sexting down, like we know what to say to each other. We've been doing this since July, you know? So we're like, you know, I, I don't need like, that's the, I only need to be sexting one person. How many people do I need to sext, you know? And so it's like, I don't, I'm comfortable with him and I can sex with him because he's also my friend and I've had friends throughout this, you know, short-term relationships where I've been like, basically like, yeah, car, you know, when you're playing, like got a boyfriend and then like three weeks later, I'm like, that didn't work out. What's up. And then we just, you know, and when (laughs) I get a boyfriend, he's like, he's like, well, good for you. I hope it works out when it doesn't work out. He's like, Oh, that sucks. You know? And so, you know, he does, he is my friend. He sees me as a person. He respects me as a comic. Uh, and a and a woman. So, you know, it, it's okay. And uh, yeah, so I already have that outlet. I don't really need another one. I don't, I made a joke on Facebook the other day that I have a, and I have a friends with benefits situation, but I'm, I'm going to cut this part out, but I have a friends with benefits situ- situation, but I'm like gonna, I, I don't really, I don't, he's, 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 he's not doing enough of the F part of the friends with benefits for my liking. Girl, I know.
0: I had I had a...
1: Motherfucker tried to come over at midnight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I had that for a long time um, in New York. I It was right after my ex and I split. And, you know, it was a huge ego stroke. My ex-husband left me for another woman, so I was shattered. And um You know, I wasn't from New York originally. I would moved there for him. So I just felt like the rug had gotten pulled out from under me. And like two months later, if that, this guy followed me through Grand Central. And, you know, I was ready to karate chop him when he like tapped me on the shoulder. But he was like so flustered and cute. And he was like, (laughs) and he was lugging golf bags and he missed his train because he was chasing me. And he's like, I'm supposed to be going to this golf tournament. I had to talk to you <laughs> whatever it was very cute um, but I was in no frame of mind obviously to get into a serious relationship and we we weren't friends we weren't friends we were friendly when we were together we talked about things like it wasn't just fucking and then going home like we would have an evening yeah, but like we yeah it, it wasn't like we weren't friends though but it's, it's not an funny. evening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, and it was, per, I mean, it was so perfect for what it needed to be at that time yeah. and, and kind of as it developed and same thing, like I had relationships and then, you know, when he had relationships and we would kind of drift apart. And I think we didn't even, well, I guess we did say it cause there were times where I would have to be like, Oh, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dating somebody right now. Um, but anyhow. Yeah. I mean, the, I think those, you know, those relationships are, are great, and I'm fine with that, like, I'm not, and I, married again, so I'm not even looking for,
1: I'm never getting married again, um, I don't even know if I can cohabitate with anybody, honestly,
0: oh my god, I feel the same way, and I told somebody that, and it was, it just blew their brain up, and I'm like,
1: and this was my fear of being single for too long, um, Actually, was that I was going to get to a point where I couldn't cohabitate with somebody again because I really wanted that for the longest time, and then part of me still does. But and then you know, I just don't know. They'd have to be real special. So I really just want someone to hang out with a couple times a week. I don't have a lot of time normally. If I go on a date, it means that I'm not going to a mic. It means I, that I'm not yeah. going to a show. It means that I'm not spending time home alone. Just letting my brain process because the part part of you know writing comedy, especially when I had a day job, part of writing comedy, I got to have that time alone just to get high and think, you know, yeah, think a shit. Yeah. That's how I write, and so you know, it, it makes like my, my time is very valuable to me, so I yeah. don't want to waste it. That's another thing. Getting back to the whole point of this podcast, <laughs> that's another thing is like that's another thing that's been huge for me as uh, doing comedy is that I have this thing that I love more than I've ever loved any man that I've ever been with. Um, it's real close on par with my kids. Um, <laughs> as far as like the dedication I'm giving to it anyway. Yeah. And so uh, my time is very valuable to me. So I will not waste it because when I'm on a shitty date, all I can think about is the mic I'm not at. It's all I can think about. I was like I missed a mic for this, you know. Um, yeah, so they—they—they—it just really has upped my 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 level of expectation of people and my ability to just walk away. Yeah, uh, just- it's hard too
0: because, like, I don't want to date comics. I really don't want to date <sighs> comics. Um, it's not good for me. But I just don't want to shit where I eat. Well. Yeah, and just honestly like you know it is, is comics like if you break up then there're going to be jokes that are about the relationship or you have to see that person with their new person or what I just I don't like it. It's not for me. Um if you break
1: up with somebody I just never want to see them again. That's the best yeah, thing about oh. not having children with people that you date is that I can just never talk to you again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't want to fucking... But
1: not funny. only do I have to see you at my... Ex- I might be on a show with you. You know, it's like,
0: ugh. Well, I, ha- I mean, I've had... Yeah, I've had some, some kick-in-the-gut kick in moments with with um comics where I was just like, well, I didn't want to hear that joke because I could do the math on that timeline and that joke about you fucking that person was when you were fucking me too.
1: Um, and I... But- I'll cry. Yeah, I, I, don't, I
0: don't, but it's hard, but it's really hard though because there are very few people who kind of in the regular world have anything that they're nearly as passionate about. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I work in corporate America. Everybody's a workaholic. Well, not everybody, but you know, they're workaholics. The job is everything, the title, the paycheck. And they don't have anything outside of that, so it's very hard for them to understand. It's hard for them to understand, like I need to go to this show. I need. I'm preparing for a show. I need to go to this mic. You know, like they don't understand the the time commitment it takes. Because I've, I've talked to lay people who think we just get up on stage and talk about our day. Like we just every time we get on stage, it's new material and. You know we're just funny people naturally and so yeah. it's just and i'm like
1: i obsessed about a joke where i have you seen me eat the banana <laughs> i think i have i mean that joke's still not right but i i i want it to be and so i have right. like like i obsessively think about how to how to eat a banana and actually since the quarantine i haven't eaten any bananas um that sounds like a youth them, Helen. I can't even eat bananas unless I'm on stage now. So I not even bananas because I right, just obsessively I, I thought about them.
0: I get paid for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't even have to get paid. It just has to be a mic with a stand and an audience, you know? <laughs> I'm about to go out into the street and be like, watch me eat this banana. I need some potassium. Fact-
0: After this, I feel like every comic is just gonna have their hot take on COVID
1: nineteen and the I quarantine. Don't even, I I <coughs> I'm not I'm not writing COVID jokes. I can't. I I don't want to. I wanna forget about it. I wanna I made a I made a comment about how like because I, I was just starting to ho starting a mic uh that I was gonna co-host with Kyle Lala birthday I should really learn how to say his last name right. But um I made a, a comment on Facebook about how, like, when I start my mic, if you tell a quarantine or COVID joke and it's not funny, I get to slap you. Like, <laughs> like you can tell them. I'm not trying to censor you, but if it sucks, I'm going to hit you. You know, like.
0: I, I mean, it works for rats and mice.
1: Yeah. I just want to forget. I just want to get back. I just want to, like, kind of forget it happened and then get move on with our lives where we were. I know that's not, there's going to be so many more comics too.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's also, it's going to be so played out, you know, like I'm making jokes now and I'll post them online or whatever, but it's more therapy, but I I certainly don't, you know, and I, I was talking to somebody about this. I said, well, look, I think you can use this as, um, you know, the catalyst for jokes, but I think you have to move beyond be well in quarantine or because of coronavirus because really at the at the very core of it is human behavior and so instead of you know segueing in with like oh coronavirus or, or oh the quarantine just fucking jump into the human behavior aspect of it yeah that right about that right about your observations about human beings or what, you know, whatever the case may be. But my point is, is like, you don't have to use that as the jumping off
1: point. So back to the, but like, back to what we're actually supposed to be talking about. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I, uh, this happens every time. I, um, but for me, like the art, art, like comedy is an art form. Um, I don't think a lot of lay people see it as that necessarily. Um, but like I always say that for me, the audience is my canvas and the mic is my paintbrush and the jokes are my paint. Um, you know, but as with any art form, there's different kinds of artists. Everyone has their own artistic process and some people aren't as good at it as others. Um, there's different degrees of skill level in any art form, but even if you suck at painting, if you enjoy painting. Eight. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Totally. And, and I mean, look, I think it's the, the two things that I absolutely love about the art of comedy. One is that you're constantly evolving. So even if you're Chris Rock or Kevin Hart, after you get done with that special, you still have to go back and you have to follow the same process that you or I have to do who are just, you know, doing mics and like bar shows and stuff like that. And there's such a common denominator in that. And I've watched, I've been I've been fortunate, I've watched these famous comics work out new jokes. Now, of course, they're better at it, you know, and they're not starting at zero every time, but it's still the same process. And you can tell, I mean, God, I remember being, so John Stewart, he had gone off air, right? And he had left. And he decided to go do a set at the Comedy Cellar in New York City. And I was sitting upstairs at the cafe that's above there. And that's where the, the green room is or whatever. And he went down. He did his set. I didn't see his set. But it went well. People thought he was funny. And he came upstairs. And, like, before he went down, he was so nervous. He was quiet. He didn't say a word. Like, you could just tell... And then he came up, he had had a good set and he was like a giddy child. He was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe they liked that. You know, like they liked it. that That's right. I mean, and he, it was amazing. And I was like, that's it. Like, that's what it is. That's who we are as comics. And that rings true for whatever level you're at. The other part, the second part that I absolutely love and keeps me going is you always have that variable of the audience. You know, you're, you're just, every show is different. You know, you could tell the exact same jokes, do the same set. And every time it's going to feel like a different show because, and I, it's funny, I was talking to another comic about this, this week. And I said, you know, it's funny. Cause I, I was telling him, I, I really hated all my material before this whole virus thing happened and I was ready to throw it out the door and I got sick of telling my jokes and he's like oh my god I felt the same way and I said you know it's funny because when we go up on stage and he's he's more seasoned than me like I'm like I'll watch you do your set and you kill and the room loves you but but as a comic I know and when you get off stage and you come over to me and you're like god I fucking hated that set and you're you know for the lay person they'd be like no it was funny everybody clapped But for the comic, you're like, I'm doing old jokes, I fucking hate that joke, I'm done, I'm over you know. Yeah. It's so different. Yeah, because like,
1: I've had times where I'm like preparing a seven minutes or a five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever it is, for a thing. And so I will just do that over and over, every show over and over. And then by the time that thing happens, I don't want to tell those jokes anymore. so, I mean, that's probably what it's like with a special, except you're doing an hour. <laughs> I can't even imagine doing an hour.
0: And, but then imagine, like, not only are you probably sick of telling those jokes, but then you basically climax because you have your special. The room's filled with your fans. It's it's everything. And then that's it. You've yeah. you got to start all over.
1: Yeah. I don't think I'll ever get to that point.
0: I I'm... I probably won't. I'm too scared.
1: <laughs> I, I feel like the people that do make it to that point wanted to get to that point and they oh. worked hard to get to that point. And I don't, I love comedy, but I don't, I mean, I do have fantasies about doing, you know, hour long shows in front of 20,000 people and killing it. But I, uh, it's not, it's not, it's just not something it's uh, it's just not something that's on the forefront of my mind if it happens i'm not going to i don't turn down an opportunity or anything i'm not like no there's 300 people you know i'm not going to do that for sure yeah. but i don't but i'm not like that's not a goal in my head like so what's your
0: goal like or not just one but like well, one my, of your
1: my goal really is about this nonprofit and um I, I really love new comedians. I might want to get into management or something. Um, okay. yeah, I really, I love comedy. I love the whole art form of it. I, I know that there are some people that have that it factor, um, and that drive and the talent and all the different things they need, the look, um, the way you look, whether it's not even about being good looking, but you know, oh, no. Yeah. They have everything. They have the entire package that they need. Um, Like I could see Selma being, Oh, for sure. You know, a a famous comedian and having specials and stuff. And, and to be able to like be that person that, that mentors them, not Selma, but you know, uh, other people that are just starting out, um, especially female comics and queer comics and uh, the others, as I call them, to be able to get them out there into front of people um, to share their stories, to share all these different voices that we don't hear. Um, And that's how you, that's how you have real social change. That's really what, like, I want to use the art form for, for some real social change and that's how it's done. You, you get on everyone's screens and you share your voice and suddenly this thing like being queer or being, you know, what a pansexual is or any of it, or just different women's voices get to those people in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, and they they get to see it in their living room uh, in commercials and because comedians become actors, you know, in commercials, yeah. in their TV shows, in their movies, you have actual trans people playing trans people in movies instead of cis people. Well, comedy
0: is a better way because it's kind of like, you know, you're you're putting a little sugar with that medicine that they may yeah. not want to, right? Um, yes, yeah, so it's if really about the last joke that a trans comic is making. It's probably gonna go into your head a little bit more of oh, what is their life like, right? Because if think about it, like some of these places, right? You've been there. If, if you were sitting at a bar, and I, and I don't want to pretend to speak for a trans comic, but I have to imagine if a trans comic is in one of these small towns sitting at a bar, either nobody's going to want to talk to them, they're going to ostracize them, they might actually be mean to them, whatever. They're not going to want to likely have a conversation and hear about their life in general. If they do want to have a conversation, it's going to be very focused on like, do you still have your dick? You know, shit like that. But as a comic, you have this ability, again, to manage the narrative about yourself, about your community. And if you can add a little laughter to it, then for some people who might be a little bit more angry about it or or not as accepting, well, you just made them laugh, which is a very visceral and powerful reaction. It's very hard to make yourself not laugh when you want to. And so it kind of makes the medicine go down easier, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's just, cause a lot of, a lot of the people, I mean, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and especially the smaller towns. Um, even with gay people, they don't associate with them. They aren't around them. They, gay people, trans people don't stay in a little town in Kansas, they get out. Um, so they're not around. Um, and so they're just, they're completely ignorant to any of it. And they have no idea um, that they are just regular people that go to work and want the same things. They want to, you know, some of them want to get married, some don't, they want to have families, some don't. And they, and so when you have um, all these different voices up there sharing their life, um, you see that they're, they're no different than you really. They have the same, they have Um, the same fights with their wife as you do, or, you know what I mean? So the common ground that can be found there. So that's, I mean, that's one of, that's like the big picture goal, but like a smaller picture goal is like uh, my newbie showcase that I'm going to get started as soon as this is over. uh, That really, um, I don't book it as all female, but I do focus. I mean, there are men on there too, but like just finding people that I feel. Friends of females. (laughs) Yeah that are ready to feature and have it that are ready to do 30 minutes. Um, like I was going to have Selma headline one of the shows cause she oh. doesn't headline. And I want to be the person that sees that and gives them cause it, in, until you show that you can do 30, how do people know you can do 30? And so someone has to give you that I mean, somewhere, you
0: know, yeah. that's the other thing. Like until you do it, It's different. Even if you have the amount of material that you need, it's a different muscle to do it. And I learned that going through it. Yeah, yeah. So
1: to be the person that can help those people um, get that kind of start and give them those opportunities, um, and help you know help people that I feel have the potential to really have a career in this get to that point you're a saint i a love saint. new comics yeah i love them so much i love their energy i love their enthusiasm because it's the same energy <laughs> and enthusiasm i have for comedy it keeps me fresh it keeps me uh enthusiastic because if all you do is hang out with people that have been in it for 10 plus years yeah I'm a little dark and bitter sometimes so um yeah, I love the fresh the fresh eyes of a new comic so much. And so that's really, that's where my heart is. Uh, I mean, I love my own comedy. Um, and I love getting up and I don't think I'll ever stop doing that. And I think to really do what I need to do, I need to be funny. I need to be able to have the respect of comics because oh, who's yeah. going to give a shit that I, I believe they can do 30 minutes if I suck? Like, you know, like, of course you think I can do 30. You're, you're yeah, I mean,
0: definitely credibility if you can walk the walk
1: yeah 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 so um especially if i want to give them advice or tags or anything like that um i wouldn't take advice and tags from people i mean people have tried um that didn't that that i didn't respect as a comedian you know uh why would i care what you have to say for the most part
0: <laughs> but I mean, it's hard even you know I think it's hard to give a tag sometimes because it's your voice and not that complex voice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I try to, I mean, I've given tags to people, but it's generally because they have said something to me off stage or they said something on stage about how, Oh, well there's, you know, I know there's probably a better ending to that. And I think of a better ending, you know, or whatever. Um, Or they're like, I know there's something there, but they're like missing a little piece. And I give them a little piece and they're like, oh, that's it. You know, so it's still their joke. It's just... The only oh, people- no,
0: I'm, I'm saying like, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying it's even hard to, to do it when you do have the credibility and stuff like that, you know. Well, but I, yeah, you're right.
1: I generally only give tags to people who I've paid attention to their comedy enough to feel like I have a sense of their voice um the person that's most successful in giving me tags and helping me with my comedy is my little brother um because he's also a comedian and he knows me so he knows that my comedy needs to be true uh people try to give me tags that would be so funny but it's it didn't happen that's not part of the story um and they're like just lie and i'm like no i can't i can't lie up there i, I don't it, even if it's funny, it doesn't feel, it's not what I want. It's not the high. I, I, I'm, I'm excuse, I don't know. Yeah. I am like that too.
0: I mean, you, you know, you, you pick out the funny, you might embellish or whatever, or, I, but I, I can't just, I'm hyperbolic
1: shit. for sure.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think most of us are, but right. um, yeah, I, I, I have to be authentic.
1: Yeah. And that's the kind of comedy I like. And I've noticed more female comics are storytellers. And that's the kind of comedy I really like. I like, I like to feel like I'm getting to know the comic a little bit while they're up there.
0: Audiences like that, too, because I, I feel like we're all, we've got a level of voyeurism in our souls anyhow, so. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we do. That's why we have shows like Hoarder, Intervention, My 600 Pound Life. I wanted to do start a show that was um, basically comedians that do tell jokes about their trauma um, and dark, negative, bad things that have happened to them. And then I haven't decided, probably they'd do the material first, but just like the headliner, not all the comedians, but like the headliner would do their set and then we'd sit down and talk about the trauma in a you know in a serious way um and someone was like who would want to watch that i was like lots of people would love to just listen to someone talk about their trauma we have shows that make millions of dollars dedicated to it so
0: all the documentaries too i mean you know i just you watch like uh coltrane or the one on miles davis i mean everybody knows their music but why do we sit there and watch the documentary? Because they were fucking drug addicts, you know, and they had a lot of tough times, and we're just fascinated by it. And if you can get just one person who watches it and goes, "Oh, you know what? I see myself in that." Hopefully, I can pull myself out. I mean, and I do think that there is a lot there in the comedy community. Um, you know, it might not be what brought comics or alcomic. To comedy. Um, but, you know, I'm always like, we're basically the island of misfit toys, you know, and I don't, like, I don't talk about my trauma on stage. I kind of allude to it. And it's funny, I've never talked about my divorce. The only joke I make is that my mother hates me because I used to be married to a doctor. Um, but... I've I've been asked so many times in the past, like, well, why don't you talk about your yours? And I'm like, nothing funny about it to me. It's
1: not funny to me, yeah. It's not funny like, to nothing, me.
0: There's yeah. nothing funny to me about it. And I, yeah, I was sad, but I can it took it. a lot to do my mom's stuff. I have people yes. who are always, love it when you do your mom's stuff. A lot of trauma there. A lot. And a lot of years of therapy to the point now where I'm like, I can do it without because that's the thing and, and I wonder if you're like me in this way. If I haven't processed through it, then my jokes really just feel like a TED talk or you know, it's it's you can tell when somebody hasn't processed it and they're just trying to make jokes about it. And I'm like, I don't want that. Like I'll get there when I get there and maybe I don't get there, but yeah. that's
1: No, I have I have The worst thing that ever happened to me, I I do have jokes about it. Um, I don't know if you've, like about my daughter and my ex and stuff. Um, And uh, they're together. They're getting married. What is today? Tomorrow. They're getting married tomorrow. Um, Oh, I'm,
0: what? You were married to Woody Allen? What?
1: Yeah, no, sort of. We were together. We weren't married. We were together for six years. Uh, She was 18 when we split and then they were together and they've been, she's 23 now. So they've been together on and off for five years. Um, And I was with him for almost six years. He's like the major relationship of my adult life. Um, And just not somebody I'd want my kid with anyway. Um, So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, A lot to unpack. And, you know, it's been five years and I've unpacked it, but I wrote jokes about it. Maybe two years ago uh, for the first time. And my friend was like, those are going to be real funny, but you're still angry. And I can... I know you, but you can sense it. You can feel it when you're doing the jokes, even though you don't sound angry. And he's like, "Until you're not so angry about it, those jokes aren't going to land the way you want them to." And I'm like, "Well, I don't think I'm ever going to not be angry about it." Uh, You know what I mean? Uh, At least to him, at him, my ex. uh, You know, I'm never going to not be angry at him. I want to murder him if I could. You know, so I'm never going to not be angry at him. So that anger's never going to not be there. But they're my—that's my favorite. I don't tell the jokes anymore, um, just because of a lot of different factors. It's got to be the right audience, the right time. There's so many factors for those jokes to feel good for me to tell and for the audience. I don't want to tell them jokes they're not going to enjoy. I don't want to make them yeah. uncomfortable. That's not the point. Um, so, you know, from there's so much. Do it. You know, mm-hmm.
0: I've, i watched watched—I've watched newer comics get on stage and after a breakup and especially guy comics. I'm like, oh boy, this is angry male. I actually, I don't want to say the person's name, but I watched a special comic. Uh, I want to say it was maybe two specials ago for this person. Um, they had gone through a breakup and I was watching the special and he started to talk about the relationship. And I was like, oof, no doll, you're not there yet. Like it didn't, and that's it. It's not that the jokes weren't funny at all, but you could tell, like, you could sense it, and then they weren't landing the way, you know? that That's the thing. is, it, And audiences can tell. They can pick up on that stuff. They don't even know it. I don't think, like, audiences necessarily know it.
1: Especially comedy audiences that are going to a huge, that are fans, comedy fans, that are fans of that person because they've yeah. watched all their stuff they do know them, you know, so they're going to really, they're going to pick up on it a lot more. So, yeah. But I think that, you know, you don't have to talk about the trauma for comedy to be beneficial to overcome the trauma. Cause just like what talking about in the beginning, it just, it's just a matter of rewire, it rewires your brain. Um, you know, cause like one of the things I really want to do is go into prisons, uh, to work with women in comedy. Um, That, you know, they're only in there for a few years or something for nonviolent drug related, you know, whatever, like not like serial killers or murderers or anything, but um, because it does rewire their brain because I'm just imagining myself being in prison, uh, which is a lot easier now, um, (laughs) thanks to COVID. But uh, just imagining myself in there with no hope, nothing to think about. Why not get in a fight? Why not keep doing drugs? Why not? You know, why be good? And then it's well about the funny and things that you normally don't. I think
0: they probably also, you know, I mean, I would venture to say a lot of them probably ended up there because of, you know, what life was like prior to that. So it not only gives them a tool to cope with what their current situation is, but you know, I'd be willing to bet that they, you know, had childhood trauma ended up in bad relationships maybe they're in there because of a relationship they were in you know and then to have to come out and all of a sudden society expects you to just you know be a completely different person and function completely differently um i i i think that would be amazing
1: yeah to give them a goal for when they do get out you know they have And a way to process. I mean, you know, we've talked
0: about this. It it just changes the way you process shitty things in your life. And then you have a much more positive outlet for
1: it. Mm -hmm.